Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hey, this is Power Card, a.k.a. Project Pat, and you're listening to the Baltimore Beatdown Podcast, the best Ravens podcast on the planet. to another edition of the Baltimore Beatdown podcast. It is Friday, November 1st. November. Wow. Okay. So I guess we're there. I guess we're doing this for real. Um, my name is Jake Luke, and I'm joined by my co-host, Spencer Nathaniel Schultz. Gone till November, baby. Sick. We be gone till November. We be gone till November. This is one of the times that you're making a reference and I'm not getting it. Uh, why Clef Jean? Gone till November. What a banger of a song. Fair enough. I mean, you probably shouldn't sing it too much or we'll get hit with the copyright strike. Remember, we were doing that last episode. Oh, my gosh. We're just about to get fined, sued, glued, tattooed, all of it by the copyright strikes. Yeah. I mean, and we're here so we don't get fined. So that's kind of the crazy part of that. That's the only reason I'm here. Only reason I'm here. Yeah, definitely. But uh, what's going on, man? Nothing. Chilling. Uh, Had a little uh, taco Thursday. How many days a week do you eat tacos? Like, I feel like, like it's at once least or twice. Dude, Mexican food is number one. Like for me, Mexican cuisine is the best of the foods. Like it, it's never bad. It's never that good. It's never like, oh, my God, this place is so much better than that place. It's always good. It always makes me feel good. It always fills me up. Big boys got to eat. Got a big old gut. Got to keep it healthy. Get that probiotic gut health intact with some beans and sardines and all the good stuff. Yeah, no, I like it a lot. It just feels like. It's every other day you're eating tacos. The day starts with a tea. I might be eating some fajitas or some tacos or there'll be some sour cream involved. I think sour cream is the most underrated of the condiments. Just putting that out there. Yeah, I like it. I'm not sure if it's a condiment or not, but I love it. Yeah, I mean, 
And then invariably, sometimes we'll have to push back the recording time because you've got some uh, stuff going on related to things that you ate earlier in the day, which is always sick. Um, but literally, yeah. I get sick. Yeah, sick. But <laughs> we have a sick game coming up on Sunday Night Football uh, with the Patriots coming down, coming to town to take on the Ravens. Chris sliding in to talk to Al about this one. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so we first are going to start you guys off with an interview. It is with Mr. Cam Rogers, who is the host of the Tiger Woods podcast on the Believe Podcast Network and is a Ravens fan who grew up in the New England area. And his reasoning for becoming a Ravens fan is pretty hilarious. We jump into that and uh, a bunch of other stuff. So he was a really fun guest. Uh, Spencer, of course, was not able to make it. Mr. Big Time, uh, you know, can't fulfill his production duties, of course. So I, I flew that one solo, got about 20 minutes of that, and then we're going to jump it right into our analysis of the game. Uh, we're going to get old Spenny Powers' thoughts. So uh, you got anything else you want to throw out there before we just run the interview? You basically just hit me with a, you think you're better than me? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it's it's getting to that point, right? I mean, you know, if you're just going to be shirking all these, you know, times and everything and you're having all these taco days and I'm just, you know, out here twisting in the wind, I don't know what to do. Misses an interview. You think you're better than me? You're killing me. <laughs> killing me, Smalls. Uh, yeah, but we've got a very interesting backstory on how someone became a Ravens fan. So without further ado, let's let's give the people what they really want. All right, we now welcome on a very special guest. It is Cam Rogers of the Believe Podcast Network. Cam is a, a part of the podcasting network that has been really helpful with this show in helping us to book some different guests, get some really uh, good ones on here, and it's uh, partially thanks to his help. And uh, thanks for coming on, buddy. It's uh, We really appreciate it. Hey, man, always exciting to talk some uh, Ravens versus Patriots. This is Christmas for me being from New England, and I can chirp all of my friends about this game. I was going to say, let's jump right into that. So just give us a quick background on that. So you're a New, Eng New England area guy. So like where in New England, <laughs> first of all, what made you become a Ravens fan? I, I have so many questions. <laughs> Let me just say this right off the bat. It literally makes zero sense for me to be a Ravens fan, having grown up in Nashua, New Hampshire, okay. lived there for 22 years you know we're talking about the brady belichick era multiple super bowls all of this stuff my parents are from the area and here i am being a ravens fan the logic is let me just stay say at the top here that uh, i've always been a contrarian so i've always wanted to be different so in 2000 it was bush or gore i wanted ralph nader why i don't know i was six but it was just to be different you know what i mean so it all goes back to when kevin millar formerly of the Baltimore Orioles, of course, was playing on the Boston Red Sox back in 2005. And there was something about him that I really enjoyed. And mostly it was his batting stance because his batting stance was different, right? So I became obsessed with him. I did the Kevin Millar batting stance in every single room of my house with a wiffle ball bat, doing it in front of a mirror, all that stuff. What happens? Of course, he goes to the Baltimore Orioles. What do I do? I follow him to the Baltimore Orioles, become an Orioles fan. And I said to myself, well, OK, I'm not going to be one of those people who like likes the Cavs and the Colts and, you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars like all over the map. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be consistent. So I extended my Baltimore Orioles fandom to the Ravens. 
And ever since then, I have been in love with the team and all that stuff. So the initial, I guess, motivation was to be different, but at the same time, and as I did that, I really started to enjoy the team. And that was in 2008 when it was the beginning of Harbaugh and Flacco. And obviously those those were some great years and some really interesting times now with Lamar Jackson. So uh, we'll see what happens with the Ravens going forward in the Lamar era. But there we are, my man. It makes zero sense. And usually to shorten the answer, I just say I have family from Maryland because that is true. But they are Redskins fans. Fair enough. I mean, those best stories always come when there isn't really a good answer. And it's <laughs> funny enough, your love of Kevin Millar. There's lots of things to like about Kevin Millar. I'm a big fan right. of his right now in the media. But uh, he brings you to the Orioles in early 2000s, which is a pretty dark period for the franchise and away from oh, yeah. the Patriots when the arguably greatest franchise in the history of sports began. So a little bit of a tough break for you there. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Ravens, you said around 2008, um, that's a little bit around the time I started really getting into them seriously, a little bit before for me, but they're kind of a team that don't really have a ton of national appeal. So did you feel unique in that sense growing up where there really weren't a ton of Baltimore fans, I'm guessing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I relished it in the halls in high school, chirping all my friends. I would wear Ravens gear every single day. I remember that beautiful run, of course, Jake, in 2012 in the playoffs. And of course, going up against the Patriots in that AFC championship game ahead of that game, that entire week, I wore some sort of Ravens gear article of clothing throughout that time just to chirp my friends. And I actually had a big party where I had about, you know, say, 30 or so people over to talk about the game and, of course, end up watching the game. People started to trickle away by that third quarter, if you recall, because Flacco and Anquan Bolden just went off. And then, uh, of course, we went on to win the Super Bowl and all that jazz. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's something that I obviously relish. And I'm actually in D.C. now, so I am among more Ravens fans than Patriot fans, per se. But, uh, yeah, it's always an interesting experience with uh, always having that unique part of me, I guess, being a Ravens fan from New England. Yeah, so I mean, it's just that much more fun when they win, and it sounds like he had a ton of fun uh, in the few times that uh, they did did go up to New England and you know get the better of them. Is right. it just that much worse when they take the loss? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of throwing my reputation, my dignity, everything on the line this week, picking the Ravens to beat the Patriots 24-20. I guess I'm going to say that right here, right now off the top. And it's kind of a double-edged sword, if you will. If I am right, then I still think the Patriots fans are going to come after me. If I am wrong, they're really going to come after me because the Patriots have won and I'm going to look like an idiot. But we shall see. Yeah, it's tough. And we are going to get to that prediction in a little bit. But uh, I would kind of get back more into a general sense. Who would you say your favorite Raven is of all time? And what would you say your favorite Ravens memory is of all time if we didn't already hit on it there? All right. Well, the memory is the easy one for sure. I mean, Mile High Stadium. Peyton Manning, Denver Broncos, Joe Flacco chucking it down there and Jacoby Jones taking it into the end zone for the touchdown. And of course, we went on to win that game. I'll tell you what, that was probably the most excited I have ever been watching a football game because I literally ran outside in my bare feet into the snow (laughs) celebrating that touchdown to Jacoby Jones. And Jacoby was a really key part of that entire postseason run we always talk about Joe Flacco no interceptions all that jazz but Jacoby was huge Anquan Bolden of course as well and so yeah definitely that 
mile high miracle, as they call it, was my favorite memory. And I think my favorite player has to be Joe Flacco. I mean, he's a guy that I think really turned around the Ravens franchise in conjunction with John Harbaugh and, of course, that defense. But, you know, people always like to, to pick on him after that Super Bowl win and getting that big contract and all of that. But really, how can you blame Joe for cashing out after taking the Ravens through one of the most iconic playoff runs in NFL history, definitely in Ravens history. I mean, the guy was going to get paid. And yeah, he had his struggles after and all that, but I stuck by him. I thought he did great things for the franchise. He's a great guy, great in the community, all around good person. And it really does pain me to see him struggling out there in Denver. I will say that I have been silently rooting for the Broncos, very silently, uh, just because I want Joe to do well, even though he's not on the Ravens anymore. So, of course, wish him the best as he goes through this recovery process. And we'll see what happens going forward in his career. But, yeah, he obviously brought some great memories for us Ravens fans. Yeah, that's a good answer. And he's right up there for me, too. And I mean, the question of him signing the contract and hanging around, I don't hold it against him either. Right. I mean, they won the Super Bowl pretty much because of him. So as a fan, it's kind of a question of would you sell team success into mediocrity for the next four or five years for a Super Bowl? And I definitely would say yes. Duh. Yeah. Uh, I mean, your Patriots fans friends probably think a little bit differently. But uh, <laughs> I mean, that's obviously a whole different story entirely. So I guess we've gotten into the history of it all for you a little bit. I guess trans transitioning more into this season what do you kind of make of the way things are playing out because it's a lot different than we're we sort of used to seeing as Ravens fans yeah absolutely speaking of Joe Flacco what Lamar Jackson is doing is like the anti-Joe you know it's so interesting because when we watched Joe play the quarterback position we had this clock in our head like if a few seconds went off and the ball wasn't out of his hands we were like okay he's either gonna throw the ball away or he's going down with Lamar Jackson you don't know what's going to happen and I have found myself shaking my head in amazement more now than ever before watching this guy play the quarterback position people like to make the argument oh is it sustainable oh is it this is it that who cares right now we're winning football games I would like him to be a little more careful with the football and sliding a little more perhaps, but let Lamar be Lamar. I think it's really exciting. And I just love how quickly the quarterback transition has happened for this franchise, because I'll tell you one thing, we are seeing a lot of mediocre, pathetic quarterback play in the NFL right now. And as Ravens fans, we are so fortunate to have that seamless transition and Lamar Jackson playing the way he is with this team right now. And we are stacking up wins and it's a beautiful thing to see going into Seattle for a recent example and winning that football game. Guess what? I sat on that couch at the beginning of the game thinking to myself, we're going to lose. And we ended up winning and it was absolutely unbelievable. So it's a really exciting offense to watch. I like that our defense is getting healthier and everything seems to be peaking at the right time as we enter week nine. Yeah, definitely. So. Jumping back to something you said earlier about how it was such a quick transition, it definitely was more so than uh, you see with other teams and definitely more smoothly than you see with a lot of other teams. Let's say, right. for example, one of your New England fans, God forbid, went into a coma, you know, nothing serious, but they're they're asleep for a while. And when they go to sleep, Joe Flacco is the quarterback and they wake up now. How would you describe Lamar Jackson and this play style to them, having never seen him play? Off script, elusive, uh, agile, and not afraid to take chances. I think with what we saw in regard to Joe Flacco, especially toward the end of his era in Baltimore, 
there were a lot of check down passes, a lot of bad fundamentals, honestly, bad footwork. And Joe sometimes threw off his back foot and, you know, those obviously caused inaccurate passes and all of that. Now we have this transition here into a quarterback who can kind of extend the play, obviously with his legs and is showing improvement with his accuracy, which was probably one of the bigger concerns for him coming out of college. And this Ravens offense has more unpredictability to it, right? Because now defensive coordinators aren't just planning for Justin Forsett, right? Because that was the case in 2014, for example. It was just Justin Forsett. Joe's not going to run the football. Now it's Mark Ingram and Lamar Jackson, for instance. And so there's a lot more that goes into game planning for this Ravens O now, I think, than during the Joe Flacco era, just because of Lamar Jackson's ability to go off script and extend the plays and do his thing. And it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. Um, It's been a lot of fun to watch and very different than what we saw with Flacco and why I think it's so interesting, sort of the scenario where you're describing him to someone that, you know, knows the Ravens as a sort of inept, boring offensive team or at least, you know, inept and boring on offense. So moving away from the offense a little bit, you touched on the defense a bit earlier there. What are your kind of thoughts on them this entire season and how they've sort of turned it around the last few weeks? Yeah, I'll tell you one thing. I had shades of like 2014 for a little bit when our secondary was awful, injury riddled, all of this. And of course, we played the Patriots in the playoffs that year and Tom Brady torched us. And I say that because we had a lot of miscommunication issues in that back end, especially earlier in this season. And it seems like we are going to get back on track here, especially with Jimmy Smith coming back in that back end. Marcus Peters, what can we say about this guy? He takes chances. He makes plays. He made a big play in Seattle. I am very optimistic about this secondary here. And of course, we're going to talk about a great secondary in New England, but I think the Ravens could certainly rival that back end. Marlon Humphrey, Let me tell you, what a selection there in 2017 in that first round. He is really developing into one of the premier shutdown corners in the NFL. I believe he's top five, according to Pro Football Focus, as we stand. Earl Thomas, we know what what he can do in center field there. Talked about Marcus Peters, and there's some good depth as well. Brandon Carr, he's very reliable. The question for Baltimore, I think, honestly, ever since Suggs and Doomerville, has been the pass rush, consistent pass rush. Who's going to be that guy? Can it be Matt Judon? You know, can it be Tyus Bowser? I really hope so at some point. I think it's going to have to be a collective effort for the pass rush going forward this season, especially here in week nine against Tom Brady. But overall, I've been impressed. Are we world beaters on that side of the ball? No, we're not. Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, they're not walking out that locker room anytime soon. But I think the defense is certainly top 10 in my eyes, and I am happy that we're getting healthy at the right time. Patrick Owasso is coming back as well at linebacker, so all good stuff, all positive progression here. Yeah, definitely. And you said Ed Reed's not going to be walking out of that locker room, but he is going to be the legend of the game in attendance on Sunday night. So I'm pretty jacked up for that because I'm going to there be you there go. as well. So, so in a way, he is walking out. Yeah, he's going to have the guys fired up. And, uh, you know, I was just saying I'm going to be in attendance, so I'm going to be all fired up there, too. Perfect. Um, So we kind of have touched on both sides of the ball. Um, And obviously you're really plugged in on the Ravens, but I'm assuming you keep pretty plugged in on the Pats, too, probably being yeah. from the area. What have you kind of seen from them this season that maybe gives you a little bit of pause and maybe some confidence going into this one, one thing each? So I will say in terms of pause, I think Tom Brady's release obviously is the best in the NFL and he is getting the ball out 
so quickly to Julian Edelman and Philip Dorsett and obviously James White, who, by the way, I am really concerned about in this football game because our corners are great. But who's going to cover James White at the linebacker slash safety position? That's something I'm really tracking. And he really has done some damage out of the backfield, especially catching the football. So with that quick horizontal passing game that the Patriots like to employ, how are the Ravens going to lock in on that? That's something that gives me some worry. In terms of confidence now, what is the blueprint to beat Tom Brady? Well, there are two avenues in my eyes. There's the 2007 Giants version, which is four guys get after Tom Brady, leave the rest in coverage. That ain't going to be our game plan because we can't do that. We can't afford that. We don't have the pass rushers for that. Option B would be control the line of scrimmage, run the football, keep that offense on the sideline, right? Do the whole Patrick Mahomes type of blueprint here in terms of keeping Tom Brady off the field so he can't do as much damage. Why is that a good thing? Why do you why do I think that can happen? Well, you look at last weekend and that front seven for New England kind of got manhandled against the offensive line for the Cleveland Browns. And Nick Chubb, if Nick Chubb could, like, hold on to the football, that could have been a different game in Foxborough, let me tell you. So I'm watching that offensive line for the Baltimore Ravens. Marshall Yonda, Ronnie Stanley, Orlando Brown. I want these guys to eat on that line of scrimmage, maul the Patriots front seven. I think they can do that. The Ravens have a top five offensive line, if you look at pro football focus right now, after week eight. So control that line of scrimmage, hammer Lamar, hammer Mark, use our running backs, and play smash mouth football because that's how the Ravens usually, historically speaking, win football games, not going into a shootout or anything like that. So I really do think we could have run game success this week. Yeah, definitely. And uh, that's a pretty good breakdown of it all. And you already touched on your prediction there. You said 24-20 Ravens, right? 24-20 and... I feel confident about it because here's the deal. At some point, the Patriots are going to lose a football game. Okay, at some point under John Harbaugh, the Ravens are nine and two coming off the bye. That's a good thing. So the Ravens are well rested. They're getting healthier and regression to the mean is going to happen. Yeah, the Patriots have looked fantastic this entire year. But they also won the Super Bowl that year. They got blown out by the Kansas City Chiefs. Remember that game before it was on to Cincinnati and when they got blown out on that Monday night football game? So it's going to happen. I'm not saying necessarily the Ravens are a better football team than the New England Patriots because they're not. The Patriots probably are the best team in the NFL. Maybe the Saints. You can make an argument for them at number one. So it's not an indictment on the Patriots, but I do think they're going to lose at some point. I think it's going to be this week. I think the Baltimore Ravens control the line of scrimmage. They take care of the football. They're one of the best at doing that. And this year, the Ravens get the best of Tom Brady. So that would be your explanation if you're sitting in like Sully's Bar in Southie and your friends are <laughs> chirping you about it. That's how you would uh, defend your, your take there? That's my defense, my man. I mean, it, there's going to be a loss at some point on the schedule. It might as well happen this week for the Patriots on the road in a raucous environment at M&T Bank Stadium. I love it, man. And I do think they're ripe for it. I don't know what I'm going to be predicting quite yet. It's going to be in the show with Spencer when he and I record a little bit later. But uh, last one, a little bit of a bonus question before we get sure. you out of here. I know you got uh, some limited time, but I know you're a golf guy and I am Ooh. a little bit, too. So I kind of wanted to pose this hypothetical to you. Big Tiger fan. If you had to choose between the Ravens winning the Super Bowl this year or Tiger winning two majors in 2020, what would you pick? Oh, 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 don't do that to it's me. It's a tough one, right? Don't, 
Yeah, so I do host the uh, Tiger Woods podcast here on the Believe That Work, and um, I started it right before Tiger won the Masters, so the timing could not be better. It worked out okay. It worked out all right, huh? I'll tell you what. I would love to see ah, Lamar Jackson hoist the Lombardi Trophy. I really would. It would be a great feeling, and if he were to do it this year, it would be absolutely an unbelievable feat because he would have to go through – Kansas City, New England, either the Saints or the 49ers to get it done. And if he gets it done, it's going to be absolutely just gorgeous to see. Now, that's probably not great for my listenership with the uh, (laughs) Tiger Woods fans who are tuning in right now. I swear, guys, I love Tiger. He's my guy. I would love for him to beat Jack. I just don't know how realistic it is at this point in his career. I do know one thing, though. Lamar Jackson Jackson winning a Super Bowl is definitely realistic. Definitely. So uh, really appreciate it, man. That's uh, pretty much what it looks like all the time we got for you. So uh, that was a great appearance. And uh, before we get you out of here, why don't you plug your stuff? You just mentioned your show. Anything else you want to uh, throw out there? Yeah, absolutely. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at Mr. Rogers 99. No D and Rogers, unlike the Aaron Rogers, of course. And uh, yeah, I'll be uh, tweeting about the game with Ravens fans and Patriots fans and chirping all my uh, friends, of course. And then, of course, you can get the Tiger Woods podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Just search Tiger Woods. All right, buddy. Love it. Well, I uh, really appreciate it as always. And uh, be good. All right. Hey, man. Appreciate it. Take care. Later. They use a lot of mobile scrambling quarterbacks this year, but is, does Lamar Jackson take it to another level? He's very fast, yeah. He's got a great, he's had great production. What do you see out of him as a passer as well? Good. Yeah, it's good. All right, so that was a really fun chat with Cam. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, he's a guy who has a lot of energy, and he is definitely a fun listen. And he you know, predicted a Ravens win, so God bless the guy. I hope he's right. Uh, let's get into why he might be right, the good Dr. Schultz. So I'm just going to do a little uh, bedtime reading by a Super Bowl champion, former grocery store bag boy turned Super Bowl MVP, Mr. Kurt Warner. This was on 10.30 at 11.25 a.m. Quote, It's almost shocking watching the hashtag Patriots offense right now. So out of sync. Looks like a struggle. Every game and visible frustration can be seen over and over. What's so different conceptually right now? They have talent, but it just seems so difficult. Can't quite put finger on it. He means his finger. Um, I hope hope, so. uh, to To quote Kodak Black, I hope so. so. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so I was I saw stumbled on that because I was listening to Rich Eisen show. uh, One of my very favorite listens every day. Guy does three hours every day as three different guests. Great listen. Highly recommend. Um, Shout out Rich Eisen. But so Daniel Jeremiah came on and steered me to that tweet. And Daniel Jeremiah had a similar sentiment. And it's just that nothing's coming easy for this offense. And other than field position, basically, because the Patriots defense has been so opportunistic and created so many turnovers, but the offense has never really clicked. They're not, you know, very high in any metric other than scoring. And the points are coming. I was going to ask you, what is it that makes them second in offensive DVOA then at 44.4? They're really good in short yardage situations. Like I was saying this in the Slack chat earlier. If the Patriots need three yards, they'll get three yards better than maybe any team in the NFL. Like 
when they're in goal to go situations, they're crazy good. They just have good blocking schemes. You'll see all five of their linemen cut and create a big mess and Sonny Michelle or Rex Burkhead or whoever can go plow forward. Um, and I think that the DVOA is high because Brady doesn't make a ton of mistakes, obviously. Um, he has Actually, a lot you know of what? I was attempts. I was reading that wrong. It looks like they're like 15th in offensive DVOA. I was I thought that was sounded funny. Yeah, yeah. I was looking not, at the team one. My fault. Okay, yeah, because their defense is like 63 their, or something. Their defense is one. Yeah, they're they're minus 63, maybe something like that. Minus 43. Minus 43. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so their offense. I think their run game DVOA is like pretty high. I don't have it right in front of me. I think it might be sixth. Will you quote me on that? Let's see. Rushing. I'm always got these nerd stats. I have trouble getting through them. Okay. So. But the rushing game's okay. Sony Michelle's only averaging 3.3 yards a clip. Um, they're not, you know, world beaters and they don't really try to be. They just try to get good four yard gains and play mistake free football and let their defense eat. And their defense has been feasting on the likes of Luke Falk, Matt Barkley, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. Um, I mean, they beat down on the Steelers week one, but the Steelers, I don't think were in a good place. Didn't really know what they were doing yet. And I feel like the Steelers are, you know, I mean, despite Ben being out, kind of getting a little bit of their identity back, but still their offense sucks pretty much. They're not, you know, great. Um, doesn't really threaten you. So they knocked Josh Allen out of a game and Bills only put up 10 points and they won 16 to 10 there. So their defense is kick ass. Obviously they've done a great job, but I don't think they're prepared to play big boy ball, uh, go into those heavy packages. They have one guy along their defense front who is in the similar cut of a Michael Pierce or Brandon Williams, Danny Shelton, and he's a fire hydrant. He's a thick boy. Um, so my expectation is I've seen Lamar kind of, uh, in the last couple of weeks, especially looks like he's been checking into some runs and checking into some basic stuff, just some inside zone and whatever. Uh, I think he likes when he has Gus in the backfield in short yarded situations. Um, a bad example of that was when Jadevian Clowney crossed Stanley's face and blew him up in the backfield in the red zone. But I uh, would anticipate if Danny Shelton, let's say, is shaded over Yanda, let's run behind Bozeman and Stanley. If Danny Shelton shaded over Bozeman and Skura, let's run behind Yonden Brown. So flip some runs, get away from him. He's their run stuffer. Um, other than that, I mean, not really lighting the world on fire. They've had some good play from Kyle Van Noy, but Kyle Van Noy is just that classic player. And they have Jamie Collins, who is the epitome of what I'm going to say, where if Kyle Van Noy went to the, I don't know, Lions. Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Who I want went to the Lions you know, He's that's, above average you know what I'm doing there, right? Trey Flowers. Well, no, Kyle Van Noy was on the Lions. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But I thought you were saying like Trey Flowers came from the Patriots. No, he was too. on the Lions. He wasn't good. The Patriots gave up like a fifth round pick for him. Now he's like their best linebacker. Now he's like one of the highest rated edge defenders in the game right now. Yeah. And Jamie Collins is the other example. He was like, I want money. Belichick was like, OK, see ya. Shipped him, shipped him to Cleveland. Didn't do a damn thing. Back in New England, another one of the highest rated linebackers in the NFL right now. He has three interceptions and is killing it. He's been a force to be reckoned with with them. Um, so it's just it's interesting how that works. But 
I don't think they can play big boy ball. And this is a big Nick Boyle game for me. This is a Nick Boyle, go cut people's legs out, make them hate you, make them want to punch you in the helmet, like piss dudes off, get to the second level, um, make those DBs tackle Mark Ingram, which is not fun in the fourth quarter in an away game under the lights. So I, I mean, I'm, I'm getting a good feeling about this game and how the Ravens match up. The one way the Ravens lose for me is if the Ravens turn the ball over. The Patriots will make you pay. They will turn turnovers into touchdowns. They're good in the red zone. Um, James White is, I mean, they just have a couple of good matchup guys, but they don't have Gronk. Like they don't have the, the, the man beater. They don't have the, the force Edelman's good, but Ravens have great secondary. They've got Earl Thomas Humphrey, you know, I'm sure Julian Edelman's going to end up having five, six, seven catches, 70 yards, get a couple first downs, maybe a touchdown or something. But I'm not like looking at Julian Edelman, like, uh Oh, you know, that's Julio Jones. That's, Nuke. That's, how does the so how does the game plan change now with Mosa New getting thrown into the mix and Nikhil Harry playing in this game? So Daniel Jeremiah's point, and I would expect the Patriots to try it, is something that teams have. So this is his idea for how to fix the Patriots offense a little bit. And this is what teams have done to the Ravens, coincidentally, is having Sanu and Harry Almost be a tight end. I mean, they're big physical guys. They're not, you know, going to get a ton of separation, but put them into trips, um, force a bad matchup. And Brady's smart enough and quick enough processing, obviously, to see is, you know, Chuck Clark on Nikhil Harry is a smaller defender. You know, is Brandon Carr going to be able to get dot? Like, is Sanu going to be able to snatch balls away from Brandon Carr or something like that? Uh, so kind of bringing them in, blocking with them and playing power passing kind of with them. I don't think that is a good idea against the Ravens secondary. I don't think that's a good idea against Marlon Humphrey or Jimmy Smith or Earl Thomas. Uh, I think that is a recipe for interceptions. So that's one idea. I think that the very best thing the Patriots offense could do in this game is keep James White in the backfield. Have him run halfback option routes on LJ Fort, Owasso, and Bynes all day. Just have him come out of the backfield and tear those guys apart in the short game, see if he can break a tackle, get some big plays there, and they're going to have to be very methodical. I don't see a lot of big play potential unless the Patriots got a bag of tricks waiting for the Ravens, as we've seen in you know years past. Okay, so with those guys into the mix now with Edelman there, obviously, do you think Wink Martindale is scared of that receiving core? Or like what is with Jimmy Smith now back in the line and Marcus Peters there as well? Do you think he would favor his corners in that matchup? I'm guessing. Yes. Right. Yeah. And you don't like to play zone against Brady because Brady will find the soft spot and Edelman will find the soft spot. That's how they're trained. So you want to play man. You want to force Brady to throw into tight windows and uh, see if they can get separation or not in those situations and make Brady be perfect where he hasn't been. I mean, dude's 42. He's still quick mentally, but he's not, you know, deadly accurate like he used to be. So that'll be a fun game to set play. And I was, you know, saying earlier, I don't think there's a universe where if the Ravens don't just hand the Patriots great field position that the Patriots offense can put up 30 points driving down the field consistently. I don't see it. I don't think they have the athletes. I don't think they have the scheme. I don't think they have the offensive line, most importantly. Um, and I don't think they're going to be able to bully the Ravens in a power running game, which is what the Patriots have kind of hung their hat on the last two years with Michelle. And that's why they liked Michelle and drafted Michelle, because he's really good between the tackles. He's physical. He has good patience and vision, um, kind of has a little Lev Bell to him. Everybody loves to throw that one around. But I see it. I see the way he attacks and finds holes and is flexible. Um, but I don't, I don't mean the Ravens 
that's not power running the ball has never, ever, ever worked against the Ravens identity as a franchise and the way that they like to stop the run. Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce are healthy. Wormley has been stout against the run. Judon's, you know, going to be able to hold his own against tight ends most of the time. And they don't really have any crazy good blocking tight ends or anything. So I'll be you'll you'll color me shocked if the Patriots offense really rolls against the Ravens defense. It sounds to me and I kind of feel the same way in this that your confidence in a defense that was in the wilderness a month or two ago is, is now back. Oh, definitely. The Ravens defense before acquiring Josh Bynes, so that was following the Browns game, was 30th in DVOA. Since then, so in weeks five, six, seven, they're sixth. They've shot back up. Marcus Peters is a huge addition. Um, as long as the you know those outside linebackers are healthy and Wink is able to really throw everything and the kitchen sink at offenses. He that's when they're at their best. I think Chuck Clark has been an improvement from Tony Jefferson, to be brutally honest, um, at the line of scrimmage. I think he's a little like like I, mean, I want to say slower, but that's, I don't mean like speed, like foot race speed. I mean, like he's more like deliberate, I think is. Yes, deliberate and in control and processing better. I think you would agree with me there. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it does seem for a guy who's somewhat young and inexperienced. I think he's been around for a couple of years, but for a guy who was a six round pick, he does look to be very in control and he's been lauded for his smarts by guys like Earl Thomas and Tony Jefferson and other guys in that secondary who are very experienced and smart themselves. So I think that speaks for itself. And yeah, I don't have his PFF grade or anything in front of me, but it feels like since he's taken over, it's been not really much of a fall off from Jefferson, which I don't know if that's he's in the low 70s. He's rated like well above what Jefferson was doing. So, so far. yeah, so maybe it, I don't know if that's like an indictment on Jefferson or, you know, too much a huge endorsement on Clark. But either way, it doesn't seem like they've missed much of a beat. They're 18th in overall DVOA right now. Is your hunch that they're going to climb the rankings this week after this game or they're going to fall? I think they're going to climb because they're they have the bye and they're watching. I mean, how many of the Ravens players were tweeting during the Patriots game about it? Like 15 of them. Like they were watching. They're watching. They're ready. They want it. This team is hungry. You can feel that, you know, Lamar Jackson on the other side of the ball is hungry. And Harbaugh, if there's anyone that Harbaugh wants to beat in the NFL, player, coach, team, whatever, it is Bill Belichick. He has maybe a respect for him. I feel like a little bit of jealousy of the way that the Patriots kind of get treated and some of the entitlement that it feels like they get. And Harbaugh kind of, you know, is a sore loser at times in a way when they play the Patriots and gets pretty ticked off when the Ravens aren't able to take them down. Um, and it feels like the Ravens kind of relish and embrace the opportunity to play the Patriots, whereas a lot of other teams and fan bases are kind of scared and like hesitant and cautious and whatever. And I mean, Nick Boyle embodied that for me. He was like, you know, we'll see how good these guys are. They haven't played the Ravens yet. And the only good team they played is the Bills. And I wouldn't really call the Bills a good team. They don't have, you know, a consistently dangerous offense. Um, their defense is good, but they're young. They're not a great defense against the run. Uh, they're tremendous against the pass, but, you know, they're not the stoutest front seven against a power football team. Um, we'll see how that goes when the Ravens end up playing the Bills. But, yes, I think the Ravens DVOA does climb. I think they put on a good performance. I'm sure Brady will make some great throws and make some great reads and this and that. But I just don't see, you know, anyone on the Pats 
going going the distance, taking seventy yard touchdowns like we saw Mecole Hardman do. Um, and you know, Jarvis Landry kind of broke free a couple times. I don't think there's that athlete in the open field that really scares the Ravens and can out athlete the Ravens. And that's what I feel like it usually takes against the team that rallies to the ball and plays with aggression is just a superior athlete like Nick Chubb uh, to just break break it open, bust it wide open, tell them bring it back. Um, not going to happen. I think that the Ravens handle the Patriots. I'm not sure exactly how the offensive battle is going to go. Lamar Jackson and company against Patriots defense, but I think the Ravens defense holds up very steadily in this one. So you mentioned the bye, I guess, transitioning off of the defense a little bit. Just from a team perspective, you mentioned the bye and you mentioned Boyle's comments. Do you think that the bye is a huge sort of boost in their confidence for one? And do you think it presents a lot of schematic advantages for two? Oh, absolutely. Because it, it gives the coaches the opportunity to take their time, really scout out the tendencies, pay grave attention to detail in indicators of things, situational tendencies, uh, wrinkles that could possibly be added and just how to coach. And it gives more time for them to pass that on to the players, for the players to absorb it and take it in. And um, I don't know if I can find the stats easily, but I'm sure that just generally teams have a winning record after their bye. It's, you know, you're rested, you're healthy, you don't feel rushed, you don't feel forced, especially at home after the bye. You don't have to travel, sleeping in your own bed for two weeks. You know, it's going to be a primetime game. The lights are on. The Ravens don't get a lot of primetime at home, so they really, like, show out when they get the chance. Um, but I can tell you that the Patriots wish they were on the other side of this, you know, edge and able to play the Ravens at home following thereby. And uh, the Ravens are not a fun offense to scheme against on, you know, uh, a team that has an advantage of time and uh, having to travel, losing a day and travel and all that good stuff with their offense doing so many unique things. And uh, Belichick had mentioned that, you know, the Patriots were preparing to play the chargers or the Ravens after the wild card. They ended up, Oh my God, schlacking the chargers after the chargers kind of handedly beat the Ravens for most of that game. And so they're a little bit prepared, but obviously Lamar has stepped up and the offense is different, has more weapons. Hollywood's been added. Andrews is another year. The line looks a lot better. Uh, Bozeman's, you know, not great, but he's definitely playing better than him or James Hurst were down the stretch last year. So a couple different things have been added. Um, but I've said, you know, if there's one guy that I had to pick to game plan against Lamar Jackson, it's going to be Belichick. Definitely. So often, I guess transitioning over to offense now, their DVOA rating is at seventh. They're doing things unconditionally. It felt like or unconventionally. It felt like early on in the season, it was a lot of Lamar passing. More recently, it's felt like he's been running it a little bit more. But at a five and two record, you can kind of argue that he's just doing what he has to do to get it done and get the wins. Uh, so going into this one, obviously, a win would be huge here. What is Greg Roman emphasizing the most to this offense in terms of just matching up against the best defense in the league, arguably. Well, I mean, what do you, who do you want in the game? Let's say who are the Ravens best skill position players to you, Jake, if you had to pick a combination of tight ends, receivers and running backs to to just to do well and not even against Patriots against anyone, who do you, who are you going to go with? Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews and Mark Ingram. And then you have to fill a couple more out. Who are the other skill oh, position the other, guys? Okay, so like what 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 package do you want in the game? So I want Andrews. I think Hurst is a little bit redundant, so I'd pick Boyle behind him. If you're going to go too tight end, I guess. I mean, right? 
and maybe you do want to do that against a defense like this. Sure. Um, so I'm not sure. But I mean, off the top of my head, I'd probably go Hollywood. Who are you confident in? Just who are the playmakers you're confident in? Tight end, running back, receiver. Who do you want on the field? That's my question, regardless of opponent. I'm confident in any of the tight ends, honestly. But if I had to pick okay. two, oh, it, would, I agree. it would be those guys. I'm confident in Sneed and Brown at wide receiver, and that's pretty much it. And then Ingram or Edwards, kind of like you probably prefer Ingram a bit, but you like Edwards too at times. Yeah, definitely. Not Hill quite yet. Right. So and, and Lamar Jackson, is, that is you my sentiment. To, you have to account it's, for him, too. It, it's like blatant logic. Don't rely on Roberts in the game a ton. I like Roberts at times. Don't rely on more a ton. You want Snead. You want Hollywood. You want the tight ends in. You want Pat Ricard in there to kind of hammer sometimes. Use those heavier packages and beat the snot out of teams. Teams can't line up. They're not built in today's NFL to go play against Hurst and Andrews and Boyle and Ricard and Ingram. The Patriots are a prime example. They don't have big, strong downhill linebackers. I mean, Hightower is that kind of, but it's like he gets moved around. He actually plays a lot of like ends up counting by PFS. PFF has it too, is like left tackle because he ends up standing over the uh, right guard a lot. And that ends up taking the Patriots have six defensive backs right now. One of them is Terrence Brooks, the former Raven, the free yep. safety out of Florida State, that are rated crazy high. They're crazy disciplined. They're great in man coverage. They rank first in man coverage uh, effectiveness, which is basically just separation, and then zone coverage as well, which is you know win-loss, good rep versus bad rep. They're third in zone coverage. So they're known for the man coverage, but they are not built to have Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews and Hayden Hurst and Ricard and Ingram come downhill on them. And very few teams are, um, I would say that like the, the chargers of last year were built that way with their five good safeties that were too fast and taking on blocks. Well, the Cowboys are a team that I think would match up well against the Ravens. The saints are a team I think would match up well against the Ravens on that side of the ball. The Patriots are not one of them if they go power. But if you're going to end up trotting out 11 personnel with Sneed and Moore and Roberts and, you know, Andrews, and of course, Hollywood Brown, but like that's not where you want to win this game. That's not what the formula is going to be. Uh, you know, airing the ball out of that 11, the, the Patriots are just plain and simple going to win if you do that. So go big boy ball, turn flubber into Nick Chubber as he was a wrecking crew against the Patriots last week, short of those two fumbles he had. And I mean, he's maybe the most difficult man to tackle in the NFL right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson's in that category as well, but Ingram and Edwards are both physical backs, get them quick handoffs and power ball and go for it on fourth downs in your own house, get momentum, bully them, you know, make them quit, beat the snot out of them. That's where the Ravens are best. And that's what they need to do. That's what Greg Roman needs to do, in my opinion. So it's definitely a chess game because you talk about, you know, the the main like refrain. And I don't know, I kind of don't always take stock into these. But the thing that Belichick does better than anyone is takes away the thing that you do well better than anyone else and kind of makes you do something other than what you're comfortable doing. The last couple of weeks, I mentioned it, they've been winning based largely on Lamar Jackson's rushing ability. Uh, I yeah. think most rational people would see that and agree with that. So sure. I guess the logic would be there that Belichick is going to attempt to stop that and maybe he'll be successful because he has a very good defensive unit. Are you... Are you just going to go out there still and, like you said, just try to continue to do it no matter what? Or are you going to be prepared? And I mean, obviously, you want to be prepared to do something else, like throw it a ton. But like, what are you doing to prepare to do that? 
it's the flubber. I just mentioned the flubber. You, you really that doesn't explain, work explain, against the Ravens. Explain the flubber. Let's talk about flubber. It's Greg Roman's run game. I call flubber because Sick. flubber is just a reference to the movie in the nineties with Robin Williams. Absolute classic. If you haven't seen it, show it to your kids. Family fun. It's a fun movie. Robin Williams is all quirky, but flubber is a ball of goo that can turn into anything. He can fit through any crack. He can go through any surface. He can be whatever he needs to be to do the task at hand. And that is Greg Roman's run game. The Seattle Seahawks run a lot of power, meaning a pulling guard or two. The Cow- the Steelers run a lot of inside and outside zone, which is the line all working in unison. There's no one pulling. The Ravens can do any of it, plus the read option stuff, plus the RPO stuff. If you're good at defending the inside run, the Ravens can run outside. If you're if you try to take away Lamar Jackson, they'll get momentum. They'll have, you know, double teams up front from Yonda and Skura and have Pat Ricard come through the holes and they'll knock you in the teeth and they'll be effective that way. The 49ers are the same way. They have an extremely diverse and multiple run game. And that's what you'll see, as I'm sure right now, I'm not watching the second, but against the Cardinals right now. And they can have three different players beat you with Edwards, Ingram, Jackson. I mean, Hill can come in at times. And if you want to take the perimeter runs away from Lamar Jackson, that means that you're going to be a little bit more vulnerable inside to the inside zones and the trap runs, the trap blocks and the powers. So you can do that to an extent, but the Ravens offense is diverse and multiple enough. That's the revolutionary aspect that Harbaugh is referring to. They're not doing things that are like Lincoln Riley's doing at Oklahoma. They're not creating plays that the NFL and the football world have never seen. They can just do enough of all of the cumulative things. It is a collage of running the ball where if you want to take the outside zone away, the inside power is going to work. They know how to do it. They can change based on alignments and fronts and they can adapt. And it's a really smart offensive line with high IQ guys. A lot of, you know, uh, Joe D and the guys have been talking about how smart Skura has been and how basically, you know, paramount he's been to identifying, you know, who's where, what the strong is. If we have a numbers advantage on this side or that side and, I think Lamar Jackson recognizes that really well, too, while he's still working on being able to recognize that in the passing game a little bit better. I think he has been sharper there than anyone will give him credit for. But if you want to take Lamar Jackson's running ability away, then do it. Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards will come screaming down the middle of the field and, you know, have fun tackling those guys on repeat for four quarters. It's not fun. Yeah, definitely. So in the idea and taking him away what is what would that even entail is it like sticking him with one guy like i was on with pat's pulpit uh the other sb nation site yep. that covers the patriots and they were talking about maybe they would use jonathan jones who's an athletic corner that they have is it somebody like that or like what or is it doubling him even with some linebackers or something and just kind of keeping him in front of you yeah so what the chargers did um to take away those read options they put derwin james and joey bosa right next to each other. And that meant that your Lamar Jackson is going to be one-on-one on those read options. If he keeps the ball, he has to outrun Derwin James or Joey Bosa. Those are two very athletic, superior athletic players. Um, so yeah, I think you, the Patriots would be smart. We saw Bobby Wagner try to spy and be a counter to Lamar Jackson last week. It didn't work. He wasn't fast enough. Um, so yeah, put Patrick Chung, or McCord, Devin McCourty or sure, Jonathan Jones. 
Lamar can still beat those guys. He's not going to outrun them necessarily, but he still will cross their face. I mean, one-on-one, he's just not fun. But those are probably better guys to use. And then if you're doing that, you're bringing another guy down and you're going to open up some things. Jonathan Jones has been their slot corner, so that's going to open up stuff for slot receivers. If you're not, you're making Jonathan Jones have to account for Lamar Jackson, it'll open up those slot receivers a little bit, and you can run some things to negate that, and you can run screens that use that against them, and um, there's counters to it. So if I were trying to stop Lamar, I'd pro- that's probably my best bet. I probably would use, I would say, Patrick Chung um, as the spy, as the middle linebacker and whatever, but then... What happens when they run that concept and it's Pat Ricard hat on a hat with Patrick Chung? He's going to knock the snot out of him, make him not want to hit. And Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson, whatever. I mean, it's just so multiple. Whatever you want to line up and take away, they can call something else. You can't take away their run game. And that's why the Ravens run for 100 yards every single game. It's well coached. It's well executed. They have the athletes and they have the physicality to do so. Um, So. It, they just don't have the dominant athletes to me to do it. I mean, Jamie Collins is going to be the guy. Jamie Collins was on the Browns last year getting his head spun around, not sure where the ball was. Um, so athletically, that's not the thing. It's going to be just scheme and coaching. And if they want to take the outside runaway, they want to take the read. I don't love the read option stuff. As I said, the, they didn't run a ton of read option against the Seahawks. It was mainly Lamar scrambling or like a quarterback power. There was no option. There was no unblocked defender. And I don't want that against the Patriots either. That's good against the Bengals and teams that aren't disciplined on. I need to be in this gap and I need to use my you know ride technique and, and stay with the ball carrier at the match point and then be able to kick outside and run with Lamar Jackson. The Patriots are going to do that better than any other team. They're going to be better coached. They're going to execute better. The defensive ends aren't going to be like, oh, my gosh, where's the, what's happening? They're going to know exactly what's happening. So you can't – you're not going to be able to, like, just outrun them. That's not going to fly. That's not the way it's going to work. You can outpower them because they're not stout. They're not, you know, physically dominant. Um, I'm sure they'll bring guys up in the box and dare you to throw a little bit and – they're going to have to play zone. Mark Andrews is good at finding soft spots. So is Hollywood. So is Snead. Those are good guys that can sit down in zone well. Um, Ingram's, you know, good back out of the backfield catching the ball. So I just I just like the matchups on both sides of the field. And I think that the Patriots are a good team. They're well coached. They execute. But they've been a big fish in a small pond preying on, you know, crappy teams. And they're better executed. They're not going to get as many penalties. They're not going to turn the ball over as much. They're opportunistic. If Lamar makes a bad pass. And this is something I anticipate. They're going to want to take Mark Andrews out of the game. They're going to want to do, you know, what the Steelers did. They're going to quadruple cover him. They're going to have four defenders in the area. So if Lamar is off the mark, the Pats will pick the ball off. If the ball's tipped up in the air, it's not hitting the ground. They will snag the ball. They're outstanding at doing so. They're the most opportunistic defense so far in the NFL. So they're going to, I think that is more so what they're going to take away is Lamar's comfort zone throwing in the middle of the field and trying to get him to push the ball to the outside and outside the numbers where, I mean, that's not his comfort zone. He hasn't been that poor there this year. He hasn't been that great, but I mean, that's my idea. I'm playing inside leverage and double and triple teaming the tight ends, making Lamar throw accurately downfield outside the hashes. So that is what I would anticipate is, uh, you know, taking things away and then having Patrick Chung ready to run with Lamar Jackson in the zone and having some more DBs on the field and whatever. But it's just a very complicated chess match. Long story short. So are they watching a ton of that Chargers tape this week? And because it feels like everyone on Twitter is waiting for the, oh, they've figured out Lamar Jackson game. And it kind of already happened in the form of that Chargers game. But he's since evolved and become a different and better player. Do you think they're kind of keeping an eye on that? Um, 
idea of something completely different being thrown at him and just trying to be ready for whatever? I think they are. I think they are going to use something similar to what the Chargers did. It's going to take the form of less man coverage, more cover three, inside leverage cover three. And let's not also forget, I mean, the Ravens fumbled on three out of four plays, which is what we just saw the Browns do to the Patriots. In the Chargers game, it was a Kenneth Dixon fumble and two Lamar Jackson fumbles in four plays. Um, So that was definitely a factor. The Ravens turned the ball over on their own 10-yard line, and that's going to put you behind the eight ball. Um, But I think that the NFL is definitely going to look and see and there's a primetime game, so they'll be able to just straight up watch if they want to. What is Belichick going to do to limit Lamar Jackson? So I think there will be a ton of eyes on it. And I think it takes form in stacking the box, playing cover three and taking inside leverage. And that cover three is going to force Lamar to have to throw outside the numbers. So it's going to look somewhat similar to how it did against the Chargers is my best guess. Um, I've put a lot of thought into it, and I think it'll it'll look somewhat similar. The only other thing I can think of, the Patriots like to run that cover zero. It might look like a cover zero. They might not end up running man blitzes. It can still be zoned from that. Um, so if I'm Belichick... I want to overload one side of the line with defenders, and they're going to look like they're going to blitz. They're going to fake the blitz. The blitz is going to come from the other side. Maybe one guy comes on that overloaded side, and that makes Lamar Jackson maybe get some happy feet and move to the weak side, and the blitz comes from the weak side on a delayed blitz from some creepers out of Jonathan Jones or Patrick Chung in the slot. So see if you can get Lamar Jackson to run into sacks, kind of like how he did against Pittsburgh. And you can do that by overloading one side, but actually blitzing from the weak side. And I think that would be a good way to you know put the Ravens in some down and unfamiliar circumstances and if you can get Lamar Jackson into second and 13 second and 15 make him have to throw the ball um, it's better than letting them bully you with the run game and I wouldn't be surprised if the Ravens run the ball 45 50 times in this game it wouldn't shock me it would make sense knowing how good Stephon Dillmore, Gilmore, the McCordys, Jonathan Jones, Brooks, all those guys have been. I'm not afraid to just run and run and run and run and see if I can win that war of attrition with some rollouts and some, uh, you know, easy passes and some screens and things like that. I mean, I think screens and double screens are something this offense needs to utilize more. We saw some against the Seahawks and it was like, oh my gosh, the rain is finally coming to drought. They're running screens and it's just manufacturing easy yards on quick hitters and things like that. Um, then the wrinkle I would think the Ravens can run as well is with all the motions they use and Hollywood Brown running across the formation and Willie Sneed running across the formation. I'm, I'm, I want some jet sweeps. I want to see some jet sweeps and some reverses and some things like that at times to keep the Patriots on their toes and make them defend all, you know, 57 yards laterally. And I would appreciate seeing that very much so and seeing if you can get seven yards on a sweep to Chris Moore, to Willie Sneed or to Hollywood and stuff like that and run some tight end screens. And let's let's line Hayden Hurst and Mark Andrews and Nick Boyle up on in trips and then run a screen with two big boys blocking and another big boy coming downhill with the ball. See if you can bully him to get to the stick, stuff like that. Just little wrinkles that we haven't quite seen yet from the Ravens offense is the house going to be rocking oh my god blackout I'm going to be blacked out sick it's going to be heavy heavy darkness the Ravens bought those like flickering lights like you've ever watched the Yankees when they hit a home run no I've been in the stadium when they've done it and it has given me quite the anxiety attack 
well, they have not gotten to use them yet. And I think they're ready. I was just thinking that. Like, they were doing it in the preseason. They haven't done it yet. So I was like, okay, like, glad we did this. Oh, they're gonna over. They're gonna overdo it so badly. It's gonna be in the beginning, the end, the middle, halftime, during all that Patriots stuff. plays. Hopefully, yes, during Patriots plays, it'll be like in the Super Bowl when the lights went out. You'll be like, um, oh, guys, sorry, I guess it's malfunctioning. Yeah, it's malfunctioning right now. Tom Brady ends and it'll up be like, like the a, office when he's like, all right, I mean, whoever was you know up, then we'll just call the game, and then that'll be that. Oh, it was us. Oh, sorry, guys. That's oh my gosh. Go back to malfunction. Too bad. But uh, yeah, I think it's going to be as well. Uh, we're both going to be in, tend- in attendance, it sounds like. So we're going to need to get some tailgate plans together because we haven't done that yet this season. Yes, yeah, um, sir. I'll be there nice and early. What is your prediction for the game? Like I said, I don't see the Patriots scoring 30 points. Um, I don't know how the Ravens are going to fare necessarily in the offensive side of the ball. I'm going to go with a Ravens win. I like the matchup. Sheesh. I'm going to go 24 to 20 Ravens. And the Patriots score a late touchdown or field goal to make it look a little closer than it is. I think the Ravens can just out physical. They have the bye. They're rested. They're well versed. They had more time to come up with how to stop the quick strike passing game of the Patriots. Um, recognize those tendencies. So I think the Ravens take this one. I think they're due for, you know, a real. They just had a statement win against the Seahawks. I think that gave them some mega confidence doing that on the road in Seattle. So I'm confident here. I think the Ravens are confident, too. Yeah, definitely. And that's funny because that's Cam's exact prediction to Ravens 2420. Uh, for me, I'm not quite as confident, but I do think it's going to be a very good game. I've got Patriots 23 to 19. So, you know, very close to your score. But I think this is going to be an ugly knockdown drag out one. The Pats kind of escape with the win. Uh, Jackson plays fairly well. And I think ultimately people are going to show a little bit more respect for the Ravens for hanging in there uh, and not sort of dumping all over themselves like some other AFC North teams did against them this year. So uh, I think it's going to be a loss, but I think there's going to be a lot to take from it. And I'm not necessarily going to be down on this team after it at all. So uh, I'm looking forward to it, even though I don't think the Ravens are going to come out victorious. Yeah. Another factor for me is that the Pats just had to sign uh, Nick Folk kicker they were using mike nugent pats went for it a couple times i think they're gonna have to go for it if it's not inside the 30 uh, or else they're gonna miss some kicks and i think that has a little bit of a impact on the game and i think there's gonna be some awful penalties in this game i just can feel it brewing where there's like long deliberations and no one knows what's going on and then was it offensive pass interference was it defensive pass interference? i can just feel it it's just what happens with the patriots ravens i can i just know it's coming um see if the home team can get a little bit of an advantage there because that usually is how it goes but a couple couple x factors there and be a real shame to see the patriots get some calls go against them it'd be such a shame wouldn't it yeah you know it's they're just they're always having that happen to them so it would just be really tough you'd hate to see yeah tom brady's been too calm lately he used to flip out that's why i hated him when he was like 32 like 10 years ago which is disgusting to say he used to be like screaming his head long hair and he was like look at everyone make the hair flop around while he was like gyrating and stuff it's like all right yes i think he's due i think he's due for a flip out an old man flip out so that's another bold predicky of this game fair enough uh well we we're over an hour here so i guess that's a show unless you got anything else you want to throw out that'll do donkey that'll do all right like that um, so we'll talk to you guys on Monday, hopefully after a win. I'm not sure what our recording plans are going to be because 
we're both obviously going to be there and it's going to be tough to get home traffic wise and everything. And, uh, I'm going late. Yeah. I'm going with a friend. It's going to be really late. So hopefully we'll be able to get a Monday episode out for you. If we can't figure the logistics out, we'll definitely have a big time deep dive on Tuesday, ready to go for you guys. So we'll talk to you either Monday or Tuesday. Uh, thanks for listening as always. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at podcast beatdown. You can follow me at Jake Luke. That's L O U Q U E for my last name. You can follow Spencer at Ravens for dummies. That's the number four in the middle there. Please rate, subscribe and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. And, uh, as always, we're out. See ya. Peace. You see, I don't I ain't no big sack, man. I don't like sacks, man. Mm-hmm. See, sacks take me out of my game. I like running folks down. I like interceptions and touchdowns. Busting up the streams and blocking punts. Like, <laughs> you in the gutter. You yeah, I like that. You in the gutter. I like that bump of the grass. He like the trench work. That boy like yeah. to get down. I like down and get, dirty. I like busting up screens. Yeah. <laughs> I just like hitting quarterbacks. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I'm that's saying. My, hey. That's my plan. That's a nice. I grab a quarterback. <laughs> 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 bang, 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 all day. <laughs> <laughs>